there, there comes a point when you got to jump off the cliff, right? Music and, businesses to me is is already a risky business right out right out of the gate and that comes with making you know creating opportunities for yourself and that you're not going to do that if you don't take risks i think it's very important in any industry you know you got to take risks man welcome to fired up podcast i am your host brad reba we're brought to you today by Reignite. Reignite is a 10X certified business coaching model that helps entrepreneurs and business leaders of all areas to tap into the thing that makes them great and stay fired up and 10X their business. And today I've got a really special guest, an artist that has been 10Xing the music world and the rap industry and has great hits like Hush is Coming break the pain and the song that we've adopted as the theme song of this podcast fired up. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you. Hush. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Um, I, I've been following you obviously as just a fan of your music and really admire what you've done. You've also got a really great story that I just don't think uh, as many people that, that are following you might know about. And I'd really like to get into the story behind the music and the songs and really just what drives you. So uh, I'm really excited to have you on today, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I'm, uh, I'm excited to tell you my stories. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, why don't we start at the beginning? I mean, you've been such a, a influence as a collaborator and a, as a soloist. So, I mean, you can go back to the Duracus days or, or your solo career, but tell me why you got started in the industry. I've been, uh, I've loved hip hop since the, the first, pretty much the early years of, uh, of when it started, probably probably within uh, the, the first 10 years of, of it starting. You know, hip-hop is officially has a birthday of 1973, so, you know, yeah. we're in our 50th year here. Um, I was born in 1972, so I'm actually just, you know, one year older than it. So, um, But growing up with, with hip-hop in my neighborhood here in Detroit, um, it kind of just was a blend and a mesh of, uh, uh, along with the funk, uh, you know, George Clinton in Parliament, um, you know, even, even, you know, early, you know, maybe Gap Band, Earth, Wind & Fire, that kind of stuff. They kind of like, you know, they kind of started playing hip-hop around my neighborhood that was, you know, kind of, like I said, meshed in with a lot of that stuff that I, that I had already heard as a kid. Um, but I just, I don't know, man, it, it's just something that just attached to my, my soul immediately. I just loved every aspect of it. Um, you know, I, my, the, my first, uh, I think the first song that I like really heard, uh, that I really, uh, gravitated to was planet rock, yeah. um, by Africa Bambata. And it was just something about the beats. Um, it was just something about the, the you know, the, the music in it, um, you know, and then just, uh, it, it was just something that I just wanted to be a part of somehow. Um, so, you know, I started out at, you know, breakdancing to it, um, you know, and, you know, as a breakdancer, you go through a bunch of names and stuff like that. Um, they used to call me D smooth, nice. <laughs> nice. you know, it used to be my breakdancing name. Um, but then I saw, um, I watched, uh, crush groove. Um, and then I watched Breakin', 
yeah. uh, movies. And it was Ice-T performing in that movie that, um, I don't know, it was just something that made me say, you know, that's what I want to do. I saw Ice-T performing in that. He performed the song Reckless. Yeah, and Reckless yeah. was like, like one of the best songs to break dance to at the time. And, and I used to love that. And so, um, I don't know. I started writing raps. I started writing little parody raps. I would take popular songs on the radio, um, you know, change the words, um, to, to make funny stories and sometimes explicit stories. Um, and you know, one time I got caught in high school, not in high school in, in, um, I don't say elementary school. Yeah, elementary school. Got caught writing that in elementary, one of those in elementary school, and the teacher brought me up to the, the front of the, the class yeah, and made me rap it in front of the whole class. <laughs> and this was like probably sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. And... Um, had you had you been public uh, or publicly performing no. or anything before? No, so okay. No, no, no. I, you know, it was just stuff I would do with my friends. Yeah, you know, around the neighborhood. And then um, my teacher, Mister Wojciechowski, I'll never forget him. He uh, brought me up. He was one of those super cool. And I went to Catholic school at the time. Okay. Um, he wasn't a priest. He was just a regular teacher and a regular guy. Um, but he brought me up to the front of the class and, and my, the rap was clean. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I just got the bug from that. And then I just continued to like, think like, man, I need to get in front of people. And so I just, I started like really going pretty uh, crazy writing raps ever since then, you know, it's great. I didn't know if I'd ever do it professionally, but it was just something that was just so interesting uh, writing and, and, uh, doing around my friends. Cause my friends would write li- their little raps too. Yeah. But, but I think they took it, you know, more comedically than, and I took it more seriously. You did. Yeah. You know, and, and then, uh, you know, and then you just keep on pushing and keep on, you know, trying to find ways to connect with people yeah. and see, see what happens. And, you, and you've taken it seriously and it, and it's taken off and I think, um, made an impression. And I think, it's important for people that are in or thinking about getting into any area of the music industry, hip hop or otherwise to understand that it's, it's not a straight road to success. And, and I think you could probably speak better than anyone of the the challenges that that come along the way, if there's anything that sticks out. Well, you know, for me, uh, there was challenge immediately was, was being white in a, in a, in a black industry. You know, and trying to um, trying to be taken seriously. Um, you know, it, 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 I had a lot of friends who were, you know, always had my back, always supportive. So that always helped. And then um, I met my group partner, uh, Uncle Ill, uh, Jermaine Harbin. Um, we met through a mutual rap friend. Um, Jermaine had been in another group before and I was just, uh, I had some equipment and I was making my own beats and writing my own rhymes to them all the while, you know, still having a regular occupation, you know, yeah. um, still out here, you know, working and, you know, in, in the workforce and, and, um, 
you know, it's just something about when you have that bug and it's something that you just know, like, man, this is what I want to do. I want to do this for a living. I just, you know, I want to, I want to have a record deal. I want to go platinum. I want to do, yeah. I want to be on MTV. You know, you just start, there, there's all kinds of things. But I think the, the, the first important thing that you should probably do is write out your goals, you know, and, and, and I knew that early and, and I wrote it down and, and I would try to tackle each one. And, um, you know, the first one was uh, to make a record. I had to I had yeah. to get into a studio and make a record. And, you know, thankfully I met Jermaine and Jermaine and I, Jermaine had the same goals I did. And that helped because, you know, we talk it out. And yeah. uh, then the next thing you know, we get in the studio. Well, you can get in the studio and, and do what you need to do, but you know, you have to have the right people with you in the studio, the right engineer, sure. Um, you know, someone who can understand what you're trying to accomplish while you're in there. Um, we had a really, really awesome guy. His name was Fritz and Fritz now works with, uh, ICP and has, he's been with them for a long time, probably 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, but Fritz was, uh, Fritz was our engineer and, and he came from like the rock world as an, uh, as a, as a music engineer. And, you know, we, some of the challenges was, you know, getting money for the studio time, you know, um, studio time was expensive. Uh, it was 50 something dollars an hour. Um, you know, this was before anybody could do it the way that we do it now, which is, you know, everybody had, it's very user friendly. It's a lot of, you know, laptop based. Right. Um, recording, you know, uh, audio software. Um, but we, you know, we not, we were able to knock an album out in, in very short time, probably about two weeks. Um, only because we had everything already wrote down and everything was already set to go and the music was there and, and, uh, made it a lot, uh, you know, it made it very easy. Um, but now you, you know, now you got to get it out to the masses. So we had to find a distribution company that, that, you know, pressed up CDs um, and different marketing material, whether it be, you know, posters or flyers or, right. you know, whatever it may be. And, and um, doing all that is, is, it's not that hard, but now you have to get into, you have to go out to the masses and market this and, and promote this. And, you know, you bought, it was already hard enough raising the money to get into the studio so trying to find a way to, to market it through a company wasn't going to happen because marketing that marketing hip hop locally is, is uh, it just was, it wasn't even there. Yeah. So all the, all of the, you know, the local rap groups, we, we did it all on our own. So, you know, we would get the materials, the flyers and the posters and man, we would have to go around. I'll never forget those days. Those are some of the, those are actually some of the fun days ever, man. We would go yeah. to movie theaters and put flyers in all the parking, in all the cars in the parking lot windows. Um, we would go to the mall, you know, and pick a certain, you know, area and do that. And, and, you know, but then we would go to the hip hop nights and, you know, some of the challenges was convincing the promoter or whoever it was at the club to, to let us get on stage. Okay. Um, you know, and, and pushing to, to be the opening act for, you know, a lot of groups, let us, let us get on. And we'll, you know, we always used to say, let us get on. We'll show you, yeah. we'll prove it to you. And, um, man, Jermaine and I had a really tight set. 
we, you know, it was like a good tight 15 minutes. Um, and one guy, his name was Mike Danner, let us get on stage at St. Andrews Hall. Um, it's a very legendary rock venue uh, here in Detroit. Um, and it had a Friday night, a hip hop night on Friday nights. Um, everybody was there always. You know, you had, you know, Eminem was there early with all of us. Um, yeah. A lot of the other Detroit groups that, that made it, um, Jay Dilla would, would be there. Um, Slum Village would be there. I mean, even Kid Rock would pop in every once in a while, um, depending on, you know, what he had going on. Yeah. Um, but we got on stage. And after we got on stage, we opened up for The Roots. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And, and um, we did our set. And after that, Mike Danner let us get on a lot of shows. There was a lot of people that actually were mad because he kept putting us on <laughs> certain uh, shows. I mean, we opened up for Ja Rule. Um, we opened up for, you know, different members of Wu-Tang Clan. Um, you know, it was just, uh, it, it was, at that point, it, it, it just became, okay, now we're on stage. Now we're proving ourselves, yeah. you know? And our name got out there because of that. And because our name got out there, people were buying our CDs and then in turn other venues, uh, it was, it made it easier for us to get in uh, the door in other venues because our name was out there. Yeah. The momentum just built and you stayed consistent and and just kept at it. It seems like that's is everything, you know, and I find that with, with everything I do in life, you know, if, if, as long as you're consistent, consistent with your messaging, consistent with your music, consistent with, you know, your work ethic, you're consistent with, uh, you know, um, uh, communication. It, it, you know, it goes everywhere. It goes hand in hand with everything that you can do in life. It doesn't even, it doesn't have to, uh, sure. you know, be, uh, be applied to what I do specifically just, you know, I, cause I, I do more than music and it's always been able to, um, it's been, you know, a, a cheat code, you know, that's the way I sure. look at it. Those are, those are cheat codes, man. They're, they're real easy to do. You just have to, to, to stay consistent with that. As long as you do that, you know, you can, uh, you know, you'll keep the doors open and you won't burn bridges. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's tough to stay consistent, stay motivated to keep doing it when, if you're not sure that it's, your message is getting through or that you're getting through to the people that you want or, or, you know, really it's being received in the right way. So I think as you look back over the journey and sort of where you're at, is there anything that you would change or do differently? You know what? Um, I really don't think I would. Um, I mean, obviously I, I know more about the business now. Um, but that, that wouldn't be fair, you know, yeah. no, going back and no, no, you know, using what I know now, I don't think that would be fair because I don't think that I would appreciate it as much as I do now appreciate what I, what, what we went through back then, because yeah. all of that led to, uh, some amazing, th- you know, events in my life. And, and if I knew what I did, what I know now and used it back then, I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't think I, I would have earned what I earned. You know, that's the way I yeah. look at it. it. It wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have earned it. It, it would have just been, uh, it would have been too easy and, and I wouldn't have ha- learned from all of the trials and tribulations and the bumps in the road that I went along that, that 
made me appreciate it more as I continued right. to grow and be successful. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. And and you certainly had a lot of obstacles to overcome early on in the music industry. It's not like it is today where you've got these streaming platforms and so many ways to get your message and your music out. Like you said, you're dealing with hard physical media. You're trying to distribute you know, compact discs, uh, trying to get a major label that would endorse that and carry the message. You got to do flyers, all of these things that you did and you hit the pavement. You, you stayed consistent. And I think yeah. that's a message that a lot of people don't understand. It's just like you had the love for it, but you had something else that was driving you to stay with that love and not lose it where a lot of people, it just becomes something like uh, more casual that they just don't stick. You know, with. I, I, I also think about, you know, I, there, there comes a point when you got to jump off the cliff, right? Yeah. And um, for me, that was moving out of Detroit. Um, I moved to Atlanta. Um, I did everything I felt I, I could do. You know, eventually I went solo from the ruckus. Um, we had some record deals that, that fell through because of an industry merger. Um, and I, I continued to grow as an artist just individually and personally a lot faster than I think Jermaine um, and I continued to just make more connections. And yeah. I was like the, I was like the one in the group that was always, you know, going to every event that, that there was possible. If I wasn't working, I was at any event, whether it was on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so I could do five days in a row and cause I just wanted it so bad. And it, so eventually I went solo and I, I, you know, I developed myself and did everything I needed to do that there wasn't much more that I could do in Detroit. And I, I just felt like I got to move, I got to move, I got to move. And, you know, that's that jumping off the cliff moment was moving to Atlanta. Um, it's just something that I just knew I had to do. Atlanta was a, a like a, you know, it was, it would, it became like the hot spot where everybody in hip hop, um, successfully was where they were moving to Atlanta to create like this hip hop hub, yeah. of sorts outside of being in New York or being in LA um, there really wasn't any other place you could go to. And so people, you know, artists in New York and some artists in LA got together and, and just had like a powwow maybe through a, a phone call or whatever and said, Hey, we're going to let, let's move to Atlanta. Let's start a community. Yeah. And I wanted to be wherever that was. And um, I moved to Atlanta and if it wasn't for me moving to Atlanta, I, I mean, there's little, these little baby steps that kind of fell in order. And I ended up meeting uh, my manager, who's still my manager to this day, Paul Fishkin. Um, he's, a, he's a manager out in L.A. who he managed Stevie Nicks, took yeah. Stevie Nicks away from, uh, I don't want to say he took her from Fleetwood Mac, but it, it was Stevie's idea to leave Fleetwood Mac, and Paul kind of facilitated that. Um, by getting her on a, a creating a record label specifically so she could uh, land on her feet. Um, he managed Natalie Cole uh, before wow. she was doing the unforgettable uh, act um, yeah. that she became really famous for. Um, he had never managed a rapper before. And so, you know, it's just these things that I just feel like if I hadn't have jumped off the cliff, all these little things wouldn't have happened because Paul ended up, uh, making connections with, um, you know, one of his best friends was Jimmy Iovine who ran Interscope Records. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, me performing in L.A. Um, in front of uh, 
Jimmy Iovine and Interscope Records. Uh, that helped me to get signed to Geffen Records. So all of these little baby things would never have happened had I not jumped off the cliff. And that's the one thing I tell a lot of artists that I mentor when, you know, they ask me for advice. Hey, man, what should I do? You know, what do you think I should be doing? Whatever. And I said, man, you got to get in front of as many people as possible but you got to get out of Detroit. You got to get out of yeah. the city. And, that, and that's why you need to get out of the city because you got to get in front of other crowds because, you know, it's easy to have a show here, have 50 people and look out in that audience. And all you're really looking at is your friends and your family because that's, that's 90% of the people that's in the crowd. And we already know that they're going to support us and support our vision and support our music. It's when you get out in front of, crowds in New York or Chicago or Cleveland or, you know, wherever it may be, you look out in that crowd, you don't know anybody. Yeah. So they're going to give you the feedback and let you know if you're good or not. You know, when you walk off that stage, if it's crickets, man, you got, you got to think, ask yourself, why was it crickets? <laughs> you know, yeah. or you might walk off there and you've got a standing O, you know, and, and you're like, okay, I'm onto something here. So, um, all of that requires jumping off the cliff. You know, if I could write a book tomorrow, that'd be the title of it. But I'm sure there's a million books titled Jump Off the Cliff. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's very important in, uh, I think it's very important in any industry. You know, you got to take risks, man. You got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The music and business is, to me is, is already a risky business right out, right out of the gate. You know? And that comes with making, you know, taking risks um, and, you know, making or, you know, creating opportunities for yourself. And that you're not going to do that if you don't take risks. Right. Yeah. And you've taken the risks and, and there are rewards that come with it. If you look at those that and take a you know, chance to actually step back and look and see what you've accomplished, is there anything that stands out that's a, a proud moment for you? Something that really stands out in your mind? Man, I'll tell you. I've got, I've got one, I've got one story that just, that would, that creates like this, this little line of, of, I took one risk and it created a, an opportunity for me that to this day, I still make money off of and it, and it falls right into your lap. Yeah. Um, my manager says to me, you know, what, what, uh, you know, I was living in LA. I moved to LA, took another risk, moved to LA. The minute I, I got my record deal, um, thought of, you know, I got to start making my record immediately. Um, I had the support of Eminem. He gave me a few tracks for the album, which was pretty easy because we were friends. We had grew up together. You know, we grew up, uh, you know, in the music scene together. Um, but then Paul said, Hey, listen, you know, I've got a friend, he's, he does, he's a music supervisor for, you know, uh, movies and TV shows. And I said, well, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to get a song on a uh, movie yeah. you know, or a TV show. And he said, well, let's go talk to him. His name was Clyde Lieberman. I said, all right. So he goes, uh, you know, he's doing this TV show with Sylvester Stallone. And it's like a, it's like a, like a boxing show what do you think you could do? And I said, well, let me, let me get in the studio and see what I can do. So I got in the studio with a friend of mine, Julian Bonetta, and we made this, this song and went and saw Clyde. 
we were sitting there talking to Clyde and I was a brand new artist at the time. And I looked on the wall and he had, he had CDs from every artist in the music business. Um, and he was looking for songs for this particular um, TV show. And we were playing this, this song and I, it didn't have a, a title to it. And it was, we were playing it so loud in the office. And Clyde goes, you know what? I, I really want to play this for my boss, but he's not here today. I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll try to get, you know, get him to hear it. Yeah. And right as he said that, this guy walked past the, the office door. And he kind of like walked by like this and he kind of cut back and he was like, what's that? And Clyde goes, oh, there's my boss. His name was Mark Burnett. Oh, wow. Mark Burnett created Survivor. Yeah, yeah, created yeah. Celebrity Apprentice or and The Apprentice. Um, I think he did Amazing Race and, uh, a, you know, a few others. And Clyde said, this is Hush. And uh, he brought us some music uh, just, you know, for the TV show. He goes, man, I love this song. This is, this is exactly what we need. He goes, you know what? We're not looking for nothing else. You're my guy. And I thought, wow. oh, wow, okay. Uh, all right, cool. And I'm looking on this wall, and I'm seeing, you know, um, you know uh, Coldplay and all these other, you know, incredibly famous and, and, you know, artists. And he's picking... I'm thinking, man, he's picking little old Hush from Detroit who just got a barely got a record deal. And he's like, can you stick around? I said, yeah. So I stuck around and, and he said, listen, it's for this boxing show I'm doing. It's called The Contender. It's got it's Sugar Ray Leonard and, and Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Jackie Callen, she's from Detroit. She's going to be the den mother and it's going to be all these boxers fighting for the championship on NBC. He goes, and if, if, you know, if I if I I need you to do music for the show, will you do music for the show? I'm I need an original score. I said, yeah. He goes, will you work with Hans Zimmer? <laughs> Hans Zimmer, this guy <laughs> did Gladiator. This guy did Black Hawk Down. I'm like, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Um, and he said, all right, well, and I need you to provide some more, you know, hip hop music and and you know, actual hip hop songs to the show. Can you do that? I, yeah, absolutely. He goes, and then I'm going to have you like perform in the ring. Like live on the oh, season wow. finale, it's probably going to be in front of 10 million people. Can you do that? Yeah, I can do it. You know, I got so excited, and, and I worked on that. And Julian and I uh, came up with two songs for it. Um, and then I worked with Hans Zimmer as far as, you know, placing certain um, songs in the actual TV show in certain episodes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I performed it in the ring on the season finale of the show. And um, that song, uh, also, it from that, it ended up on a EA Sports video game. And if you know anything about video games, EA Sports is one of the leading companies uh, in that industry. Yeah. Um, they had a video game called Need for Speed Most Wanted. Um, it became the number one single for that video game. And here we are, you know, some 20 years later, and it's now the theme song for your podcast. Yeah. You know? Wow. It's yeah. crazy. Yes. I mean, that if I hadn't have taken the taken that risk and, and going, well, let me get in a studio and just see what I do. You know, and, and, and I could have said, you know, well, I don't know. 
Uh, let me let me let, let let's see what what he does. Uh, let me let me hear some other stuff that Clyde's got. I don't know. I don't I don't feel like going there yeah. that day. You know, whatever. Anything my manager wanted me to do, dude, I jumped on it because I I I was never that type of an artist that. Um, I, I granted I wouldn't compromise my integrity, right? Because yeah. that's what we that's all we got. You know, you, you, I'm not gonna. Um, I, I, I didn't want to, uh, I, I wasn't that type of artist who, who wanted to play himself. You know, it was yeah. just like, you know, anything that I do, it, it's still methodical in my brain. I'm still thinking about certain stuff because I don't, I'm not going to put myself out there, uh, in an uncompromised light. Um, you know, and, and cause that's all we have really, um, but to be free about it and to take those risks. You know, like I said, here I am 20 years later, and I'm still making money off that song. I, it's 15 million streams later. Yeah. You know, um, it's great passive income, you know. Right. Yeah. It's how awesome. it works, you know. And, and it's it's a banger, man. It's awesome. It, it's, it is um, a banger. You yeah. know, and I still I still believe in that song to this day. I, I, I believe that that song could probably come out today and still work. Yep. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and I was very happy to to allow you to use it because, you know, what what better name of a podcast? Right, <laughs> I thought say better name of a song, man. So with everything else you've done to this point, I got to ask, what's next? I know you got a new release out. You talk about any projects or anything on the horizon? So the release I have out now is a bunch of B sides and and bootlegs and things that I I had just sitting around that I felt like you know a, a lot of the fans had been texting me and emailing me hey what when are you gonna put this song out and whatever from back in the day and so I kind of gave that out to the fans um, I had an album on uh, that hit the iTunes hip hop album chart last year called seven one eight two three one three um, that featured myself and a, a, a Queens native. Uh, Bobby J from Rockaway, from Far Rockaway, Queens. We kind of did a collabo Detroit to New York uh, album. Um, and that did so, that we, it was very successful. So we're planning a volume two of that. I've already got 20, you know, something beats made, and we're going to keep making beats until we figure it out. But we're definitely on the, on the, on the end of working uh, a volume two for that. And that should be... Uh, that should be coming out hopefully next year. Um, it's going to feature uh, a lot of Detroit legends and a lot of New York legends on it because that's the that's that's the way we looked at it. We can put a lot of our legends on it um, and show like a Detroit to New York scene, hip hop scene, yeah, and uh, get us all together on the same album. And and right. uh, you know, like I said, the last one was successful. And I'm just going to keep doing what I do, man. I just consistency, it. right? Blood. Yeah, that's awesome. You know? Well, I love it, and I will be glad to check it out for sure. Uh, really great to have you on today. Thank you so much for your song, and thank you for being here on the Fired Up Podcast. Anything you never need, bro, I'm here for you. I appreciate you very much. So we're going to leave it there, Hi, and this is Brad Reba for the Fired Up Podcast, reminding you to stay fired up and do something great. <laughs>